I was wrong. You probably was right, but yeah. I don't know. I think I put, I think I put a little bit of spice, you know, spice. <laughs> I put a little like systematic racism on, on it, you know, You're like making it buzzworthy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just how I feel when I think, when I hear these words and I, when I think these things, I'm like, man, this is all systematic. And this is how, you know, they keep throwing us to the curb or, or, you know, this is how they just move around us. Test, test, one, two, three. You know who I be. It's your boy, Don Wall, a.k.a. Moral SP. Welcome to another episode of Embrace Matters of Richmond. I'm joined here, of course, with the homie Carl. And today we will we will be continuing our journey through gentrification. We have researched. We've sat with the wonderful Gabriella, who's prepared us to come back, talk to you guys about gentrification and how it shows its face in our wonderful city. But first, Carl. How's your week been going, man? How was your weekend? Uh, weekend was good. It's almost a weekend again. Yeah, I don't remember what I did last weekend, but this week's been busy. I've had busyness, but also more downtime than I've had recently. So that's yeah. been pretty healthy for me. And I'm learning a, a big lesson about like taking time to think about what you've done, what you need to do, and mm. and just to process and digest all of that. I feel you. I feel you. Just being like busy a lot. I've learned that I need to be more intentional. Like the more the more busy I am, the more intentional I need to be. So uh, last weekend I went to Raleigh. Um, I had an improv show in Raleigh. That was pretty fun. You know, uh, I got to, I, I never go anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so it was kind of cool to go to Raleigh. I will say this, Richmond, I would never want to move to Raleigh. Why not? And there's nothing against Raleigh. I don't want no beef, but it's just Richmond is cooler than Raleigh. The whole triangle area, Raleigh, Durham, all of that, whatever the third piece is. Richmond is cooler. Richmond is cooler, man. Like it just is what it is. I don't know. Maybe I'm biased. I'm sure Raleigh folks would disagree with you. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what they would say. Um, I did have fun. I just felt like it doesn't seem like fun things are happening. Although there was a fair down there and we were going to go, I wanted an elephant ear, but we ended up not going. I was kind of mad about that. Can you tell me what that is? An elephant ear. So it's an elephant ear is a funnel cake, but they don't funnel it. It's just a big pancake of cake. Funnel cake. It's a fried pancake. Yeah. It's the funnel cake batter, but they just don't funnel it through a funnel. (laughs) So they call it an elephant ear. It's just a big patty. It's just a big, Flapjack. <laughs> okay. Is it any weird shape or is it circular? I think they try to make it look like an ear. Oh, okay. Like an elephant's ear. Gotcha. Um, I don't know who coined that phrase elephant ear, but I just been calling them that because when you go to the fair, that's what they call them. <laughs> I can imagine it's some some dude way back when a kid asking him like, "What is this?" He's like, "Well, you know those elephants over there. This is an, this is their ear. This is their ear. This is their ear." <laughs> some poor kid. Yeah. Some poor kid thought. They was, I'm sure they was like, wow, elephant ears taste really good. Yeah. That's problematic. I mean, if it didn't scare them first, it caught on for sure. <laughs> That's problematic. Um, but man, after feeling like a superstar in Raleigh, you know, doing an improv show, feeling like a superstar, I come back here and I'm back to teaching. 
<laughs> feeling like feeling like dirt. <laughs> um, but it's you know, teacher appreciation week is coming up soon. So That's shout right. out to the teachers early. Um, we are almost there, y'all. We have we have five Mondays, six weeks, five Mondays. We can do this, teachers. We're almost there. Is that till the end of the school year? Yes. Okay. Five Mondays because Memorial Day. We don't have that Monday on. Um, also, real quick, I want to uh, give a shout out to my pops. Today's his birthday. When we're recording this, um, I don't know when you guys are listening to this, but when we recorded it on Thursday, April 27th, it was my pop's birthday. So, pop, if whatever, you know, if you ever listen to this episode, I love you. Happy birthday. Um, yeah, I think that's that's it. You got any cool plans for the weekend coming up? Because today is Thursday, so it's almost yeah. weekend time. I have a production tomorrow. Ooh. Yeah, I'll be recording uh, someplace else, something else <laughs> altogether. <laughs> Carl, stay busy, y'all. Don't and, and let then, him trick you. And then I'm going to buy some plants on on Saturday. Some plants. Some plants from where? From Chocolate Bottom? Uh, no, uh, Mama. Mama has a big plant sale. Ooh, yeah. So I'm excited about that. Man, I. I'm going to do something this weekend, like something different. Like I'm going to go out somewhere and do something different. I'm not just going to sit on the couch this weekend, although I might because I'm tired. Like going to Raleigh last weekend and then doing this week has been rough mm-hmm. and really tired. But I am glad to be here to be able to sit and, uh, you know, put together an episode, man. I, I, lo- I love what we do. So let's actually get to our big facts segment. Our big fact segment is where either me or Carl will shout out people, organizations, or events happening already making a difference in Richmond. Today's episode's shout out goes to The Sweet Escape. The Sweet Escape, formerly known as Envy's Water Ice, was created in 2020 during the pandemic. They specialize in blending cereal-infused milkshakes, sundaes, Italian ice, vegan treats, and so much more. Their team strives to ensure that every experience is memorable. So what are you waiting for? Come get the experience. You can follow them on Instagram at The Sweet Escape. That's The Sweet X-C-A-P-E. The Sweet Escape. To find out where they will be for your visit. Because they are a sweet truck. I don't want to say food truck because it ain't food. You know, it's sweet things. I hear that, yeah. So they're a truck. And, you know, I, I, I found them on Instagram and I saw that they normally are at Oak Oak Plaza on Mechanicsville Turnpike. So Mechanicsville, you know where Rosie's is. Yes. Rose is on Mechanicsville Turnpike. Yeah. Uh, you know where Harvey Road is? It's, it's right off of it's one of the streets that's right off of Mechanicsville Turnpike. OK, there is a plaza there where there's a DTLR. There's a food line right there. There's a subway. There's like mm-hmm. a little shopping center right yeah, there. Yeah, I know that's Oak Hill Plaza. Gotcha. And that's where and I, I remember being there one day and I saw that food truck. But I was like, oh, I saw the, the sweet truck, but I didn't know what it was. I just okay. thought it was like. I don't know. I thought it was just like, you know, shaved ice. Sure. You know, but they're good. But they I haven't had it yet, but. Wednesday, the ne- you know next Wednesday coming up, I will I will have it and I will do some sort of review or video or something mm-hmm. to let you guys know for sure. But just look if you go on their Instagram and just look at the sweet treats, man, tasty. Man, shout out to Mr. Baker. He had he did a video and he had some of their treats. It's good. 
at least from Mr. Baker. Shout out to Mr. Baker. He's dope. Um, but yeah, the shout out goes to you guys. Keep up the good work. You are serving this amazing city and we salute you. Um, oh, Carl. Tell me what. <laughs> um, so normally we just have one shout out. Oh, OK. Yeah. And this isn't really a shout out, but I wanted to bring up something awesome. Friend of the show, Taylor Scott. Oh, OK. Uh, received act, the Acts of Kindness Award. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Organizer of RVA Community Fridges receives the Acts of Kindness Award. A woman who runs a business out of her home wanted to give back to the community in the sweetest way possible. Andrea Williams, the owner of the Oatmeal Cream Pie Company, wanted to give back to an organization monthly. While scrolling on social media, she found out about RVA Community Fridges, our friends. And once she did that, she just she poured herself in. Mm. And uh, once she met once she met Taylor, uh, Williams said that she quickly realized she wanted to do even more. And that's when Williams nominated Taylor Scott to receive NBC 12's Acts of Kindness Award. That's wild. So, Taylor, you know, you know, you know, you're friend of the show. Uh, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. From so Inverse. excited for you. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, friends, it is time for our main squeeze segment. So this is, again, part two on our topic of gentrification. We have researched. We have learned. Thank you so much, Gabriella Santana. So <laughs> do you remember what you said gentrification was? I do. You do? Yeah. Okay. What was it? Oh, uh, well, it had something along the line to do with a certain type of people that was common who chose what would happen in a community that they weren't exactly uh, longstanding members of yada, yada, yada. I think one thing I would correct from that was that it was, I said it wasn't on purpose, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be on purpose, but I'm pretty sure it can't happen intentionally. I feel you. Well, I feel like I was wrong. You probably was right, but I don't know. I think I put, I think I put a little bit of spice, you know, I put a little like systematic racism on on it, you know, like making it buzzworthy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just how I feel when I think, when I hear these words and I, when I think these things, I'm like, man, this is all systematic. And this is how, you know, they keep, throwing us to the curb or, or, you know, this is how they just move around us. But the official definition or how uh, it needs to be thought of is gentrification. It describes a process where wealthy college educated individuals begin to move into poor or working class communities, often originally occupied by communities of color. The people and businesses that move into gentrifying neighborhoods may have goals for their new homes that are not or at odds with the goals of the people who already live there and have been for a long time. Rising costs of living and a changing community culture can mm-hmm. make for a difficult adjustment for longtime residents. These changes may drive out people of color and minority-owned businesses. Mm-hmm. At the same time, gentrification brings much-needed investment into long neglected areas. Gentrification is thus a complicated issue that involves many different stakeholders and perspectives. 
So just with that, I think I was kind of on the right track with you have different people moving into a place Mm -hmm. and what they want or what they're looking for does not gel with the culture of what's already there. Yeah. Example, D.C. We have, you know, it's being gentrified as a Navy Yard for sure. Right. And it's being gentrified. And I remember it's not really a thing no more, but, you know, hashtag don't silence D.C. You know what I mean? Like people were complaining about Google music and it's like, well, you're in D.C. <laughs> what do you expect to hear? That's that is the culture that's here. Was it the the new the newbies were complaining it about was the newbies that was complaining about Go-Go? They were hearing out about the streets. Right. Right. Like, you uh-huh. know, the, there's carry out spots. There's some spots, fish fry spots and stuff that will just have Go-Go playing out their windows yeah. and it'd be loud. But mm-hmm. that's the flavor of D.C. That's how they move, you know. Um, I thought Mambo was the Mambo sauce is part of that too. That's <laughs> okay. how they. That's how they eat. Okay, Go Go is how they move. Mambo is how they eat. So, <laughs> um, shout out to DC. I love y'all. I I definitely get the part where it's like there's a different agenda moving into a culture that already existed, and it it causes problems. But at the flip side, something I didn't think about is that gentrification does bring much needed investment into long neglected areas. That's, that's a very interesting part. What do you think? Say that again. Gentrification brings much needed investment into long neglected areas. I disagree. Yeah. Well, it's, it's semantics really. It's not gentrification. It's, it's investment. So people coming Mm -hmm. to an area, yeah, I think that increases diversity and then their investment in the area does bring opportunity for, for that community for sure. Got you. Yeah. So like gentrification would be the, the disease uh-huh. and all the things that we were talking about last time, the things that we noticed would be the symptoms, but mm-hmm. you know, like anything has its toxicity. So like gentrification right. would be the toxic version of whatever that investment is. Mm, okay, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, so people coming here or to your neighborhood, to a you know a neighborhood that's with a long-standing residential population mm-hmm. of people of color or you know lower socioeconomical status, is not bad. Just too yeah. much of it will be a detriment. Got you. So gentrification is investment investment gone rogue, gone bad. It's like it's like, you know, Harvey Dent was he was good. He was with Batman and then he turned into Two Face. Yeah. He went bad. He yeah. went gentrification. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All these analogies, yes. It is hey, that's what I'm I'm trying to understand like cause I was thinking, oh, I had the question of what if like investment is first, but because of that investment, gentrification happens because of it. Yeah. And it's a vicious cycle. You can see that trend all over the place. There's this article I was reading a long time ago about a brewery in Brooklyn who became the, their own demise. Like they couldn't afford to make their product or contribute to that community because it made the the community more attractive and priced themselves out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got you. There is a vocabulary word that I want to take a moment Mm -hmm. to talk about all these other words I feel like people know, uh, well, there's just, there's two. And I think they may become 
episodes at one point, at some point. Okay. Uh, one of them is blockbusting. I did not know this word. I mean, I, I know what the word is, but I never saw it or thought of it in this realm. Uh, so blockbusting is a noun. It's using the threat of minority presence to convince property owners to sell at a lower price than reselling the property at a higher price, often to minorities. Mm-hmm. It's called blockbusting. And we know what community is. We know what development is. Policy. We know what policy is. But redlining, mm-hmm. uh, redlining, the practice of denying investments and credit based on someone's race or ethnicity. Um, so those are important words to, you know, just in case we continue and we say some of these words, I just wanted the, I wanted the audience to kind of know our listeners to kind of know like, Oh, they gave us the definition of this. So. Yeah. I mean, we can apply them today. That's true. <laughs> we're, we're sitting in a building that was, that is in a neighborhood that was, yeah, part of redlining for decades. Most definitely. Yeah. So the homes that were originally in this neighborhood, Jackson Ward, are no longer here uh, among the other homes that are now still standing and now likely house people who are of greater income status and weren't from the neighborhood originally. Yeah. Where can you find the matter or problem? Where can you find mm-hmm. the problem? And this is kind of like Gabriella talking to us right now. So I'm just going to read her words <laughs> here. <laughs> so she she has, when we think of gentrification, we commonly think of wealthy college educated individuals who with goals for the kind of future they want to build for themselves and families move into poor or working class communities, often occupied by, you know, communities of color. Uh thus looking past or working against the culture and established communities, right? We, that kind of recaps what we just talked about. That's what gentrification is. Um, But it's not just people that move into these occupied spaces. Businesses do too. Driving out pre-existing or minority-owned businesses, one of the biggest overarching effects of gentrification is the rising cost of living for residents, a shift in demand mixed with community improvements that are made as a byproduct of the shift in environment created Mm -hmm. by incoming residents drives up the price of homes, apartments, et cetera. Well said, (laughs) Gabriella. I told y'all Gabriella is here y'all. And honestly, when we close out this season, there's a good chance that Gabriella may be actually with us on the pod. That that, that wasn't supposed to be a secret, so I didn't calm down. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, just something to look forward to. But that, so separate from people moving in, because we had talked a lot about that, mm-hmm. but specifically here in Richmond, we have, we do have a good number of Black-owned businesses in Areas where they like are part of that culture that's already there. Um, Jackson Ward has a lot of them Um, and some other communities has a good number of them. Now, when a business for, you know, just for example's sake, I don't want to pick on them, but say like Publix only because 
Publix has been moving farther east and north and north. You know, um, let's say Publix wants to put a grocery store in the middle of Jackson Ward. Okay. Initially, you may think to yourself, well, that's a good thing, right? And it might be. Mm-hmm. It might be for some. But when we think about you put a Publix here, that's going to bring more people to come into this community that wouldn't normally. Right. They're going to move closer. Mm-hmm. And Publix is a high end grocery store. Yeah. All, it's great to have something like that because it's quality. But. At the same time, this community may not be able to afford that. Right. Yeah. So it's almost a bigger slap in the face to have a business move to it's like, oh, man, finally, we have a grocery store that's close. But I, I'm not going there. I can't afford that. That's way too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not even just picking on people that live here in Jackson Ward, but just period groceries cost a lot of money nowadays. Prices are so high. So, you know, I don't even I don't shop at Publix, you know, like it, uh, there's a good amount of people that don't shop at Publix because that that price be be up there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I I like the farmers markets. I like the food lions and stuff like that, as long as I can get fresh stuff. Um, but I think that presents a different problem that people don't normally think of. I don't know what do you think about the business side of it. Uh, it's definitely true. When a business comes to a community, say, for instance, a high end business, it becomes an amenity mm-hmm. and something that's attractive. And I think of, gosh, I think of a business. I'm not going to say their name because I have a particular relationship with them right now um, in, in Manchester. And they're attracting all sorts of folks at this point. And what it offers to that community is something that's interesting, but also offers something to other businesses as well. So it's really mixed. But what happens when businesses like these, yeah. uh, they become anchors for a community. For instance, if from your example, Publix comes to Jackson Ward, it becomes an anchor for other businesses that are supported by the traffic yeah. of the people that come to and from the grocery store. And that attracts other businesses right. and that could price out or become competition to longstanding businesses of that community. And suddenly this community has value. You know, the the, the amenities, people can walk to them. Right. They want to live in that, that, that old house around the corner. That's a novelty to them. And when they buy and sell those, you know, those the values of those properties go up. And so people renting or paying taxes in this community can no longer afford to remain. Mm. So that's what I see what happens there. I can understand that. I can understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's a lot to really break down and chew on when it comes to gentrification because it's not as clear cut as, say, food apartheid or, you know, food um, insecurities. Because that's like, it's kind of a straightforward issue. And there's no nuances or, you know, it's like, man, that's bad. That's bad. That's something we can change or fix. Mm-hmm. But gentrification, it's 
it's it's like you said earlier, like this goodwill can be manipulated or it can be tainted. Yeah. And it becomes toxic, like you said, it becomes gentrification. Yeah. Becomes something that's negative. Um another question is have you ever heard um or have you ever been talking to someone and uh, maybe a friend and they've described an area by saying, Oh, it's up and coming. <laughs> yeah. Is that problematic? Is that problematic? Yeah. We have to be honest. It, it, I can't say that. I can say that it definitely uh, makes my ears prick up for sure. Up and coming. Up and coming. Yeah. Or transitional was another word. Ooh, that's worse. Transitional. Yeah. Transitional. Worse. <laughs> transitional. Yeah. Cause it's like, if something existed and it's up and coming, um, it's definitely transitional up and coming. would be like, New, like a new artist, like new yeah. talent, but up and coming neighborhood. Uh, it's a little suspect. That's fair. So I want to get into that. Hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I might have used that before up and coming, but I, I, I use it in a sense of so. In Willow Lawn, the Willow Lawn area. There they built they built Libby Mill, the Libby Mill, right? And you know, that's a whole huge area. There's a really nice library. There's a really nice area. There's restaurants, all types of stuff. But they're also building homes there, right? So when <laughs> when describing it or when they're just saying like, oh, it's like, yeah, you heard of Libby Mill. And they're like, oh, no, no. Well, you know, it's up and coming like mm-hmm. area. But in my opinion, that Willow Lawn area has never been. It's only up and coming because they're finally putting houses there. Does that make sense? Not necessarily because it's like it was a like a place it didn't have. You know, does that make sense? I it hope I'm sense. making sense. No, you make sense. Yeah, and I think Willow Lawn has had, had its time in a previous lifetime. Yeah, before ours, and now it's coming back, and it just happens to be homes yeah. and a library and a, cu- a couple of restaurants. Yeah, it used to be just restaurant, just a row, a now line they're getting of a restaurants. Shake Shack. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> is that gentrification? Shake Shack. Are you part of the gentrification? I need to know. Don't answer that. I know you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm. I want. I want Shake Shack when it when it finally gets built. So I don't want to imagine me going there and they'd be like, nope, nope, you can't be in here. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> um but man yeah that's i guess that's a valid question um even thinking about how you describe certain areas um specifically you know how you describe certain areas in richmond um yeah so uh just a little backstory um i definitely want to do justice with what gabriella has given us and uh steered mm-hmm. us to um, she says the history of this process, speaking about gentrification, gets its start during the post-World War II economic boom. And that's important because that's when we started getting highways. And this is my knowledge because I'm a social studies teacher and a math teacher. Um, so, you know, that economic boom after World War II, man, you know, Truman he, he was like, man, I'm, we're going to build these highways. It's going to be quicker for us to get to and fro. And with more people moving around, of course, you're going to have people migrating or people settling in different areas because now they have access to different areas quicker. So people are moving. They're moving around. They're 
you know, experiencing different cities. They're not stationary. They're all over the place. Um, but it was also it was a period remembered as the largest worldwide economic expansion to date. However, this is also a time when poor communities of color were victims of excuse me for a second. Somebody hitting me up while I'm doing a podcast episode. It's my father probably wanting to say, um, my father probably wanting to say, hey, you didn't call me. I definitely called my father and <laughs> said happy birthday to him. I left a message. Um, I'll, call him, I'll call him later. I'll talk to him later. Um, sorry about that, y'all. It's my pops. It is his birthday, so he wants... He wants love, but I'll talk to him later. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> let me get back to where I was. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So d- during this part of history, um, it was known as the largest economic boom worldwide. Um, this is also a time when poor communities of color were victims of unfair housing policies. Okay. So that's, where redlining comes in. That's where gentrification is kind of happening as well. And um, we will get to that a different episode completely. I don't want to spend too much time talking about that, but we may talk about it here because it's so closely um, matched. But in the outskirts of cities, suburbs had just begun to become attainable for middle-class Americans. A new American dream was being constructed One with white picket fences, great school districts, and a car ride away from the newly built shopping malls. Mm -hmm. These suburbs gave residents access to the city without the disadvantages of living there. Let me say that again. These suburbs gave residents access to the city without the disadvantages of living there. Real estate brokers wanted to encourage folks to make the move into these utopian-esque communities. Mm. So they started a practice called blockbusting. Okay, remember that word? That's why we went over it. It's a practice that convinced homeowners that their neighborhood is undergoing a significant change in demographics, typically portrayed as negative, okay? Uh, So like we had said, actually, Carl coined it, not in my backyard, um, this is during the time in America where uh, white communities didn't want uh, African-Americans to move into their neighborhood. Right. And it was depicted in a number of, um, you know, entertainment or your know, movies and plays. You have good fences. You have a raises in the sun, um, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it portrays a real time um, in in American history. Uh So uh, they will sell or rent these homes at lower than market value prices. That's what they did. Not outlawed. So this practice wasn't outlawed until 1968 with the Fair Housing Act. Mm -hmm. Blockbusting encouraged black families to pay a premium to move into particular urban neighborhoods so that white families would sell their homes at a lower price to move out to the suburbs. After this process was completed, the new majority African-American communities were 
denied the money they needed to invest in improvements to their neighborhoods through a practice called redlining. These factors combined to reduce opportunities in many urban areas. And I will say, y'all, a lot of this is still happening today. This is not um, something that was like kind of past. No, it's, um, it's pretty savvy at this point. It's, it's pretty standard, right? It's still, you know, so um, how does it impact or, you know, who does it impact and how? Um, displacement impacts millions of Americans each year. Millions. Um, displacement is that issue that people are out of their community. Um, you know, thinking about, and I thought about this for myself, is that where do I feel safe? Think about feeling safe. Think about where you've been all your life. Some people have grown up in communities where that's all they know. Those streets are where they feel safe. They've lived there. Their parents lived there. Their grandparents have lived there. Their great grandparents have lived there. And a lot of them still do. And when they're displaced, they're put in a, in a place where they, they don't, they don't feel like they belong. Um, and that can act out in, in various different ways, but it reinforces a vicious cycle of poverty with families. Imagine people being displaced somewhere and then not, not being able to afford to even live where they've been displaced. So they have to move somewhere else where that's not safe. Um, all of that, you know, uh, Affording to live in an area is is a huge issue um, that's plaguing a lot of families. Many families find themselves moving away from their friends, their family, their work, their social network um, into even lower economic communities when that, that they even came from. Um, and like we've pointed out in previous episodes, neighborhood conditions can have lasting effects on the health, education and professional development of its residents. Children that move more can show higher rates of behavioral and emotional problems and increase in adolescent depression. These kinds of disruptions can also negatively affect their academic performance. In Richmond, for instance, neighborhoods like Jackson Ward, Church Hill, and the North Side have seen significant spikes in gentrification. Jackson Ward, a neighborhood known for its bustling black industries, culture and prominence is now comprised of only about 23% black people according to a 2014 study. 23%. 23%. That's a huge number, Carl. Like, or a lower number. That's a low number compared to what Jackson Ward used to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I guess did any of that, like, especially when talking about Jackson Ward, uh, I guess, do you see that? Do you see that there, there are less black people in Jackson Ward than in previous years? I mean, this is a 2014 study, so I don't know. It's a long time. What's it comparing it to? I guess it's comparing it to, you know, it's 
heyday heyday yeah well absolutely yeah this place was dense it's packed it was like the harlem of the south right you know where there are parking lots or large office buildings now there were house house after house after house right you know of people of color and it's weird because when i mean we had talked about truman building the um i mean did i say truman last time yeah, Truman wasn't the guy, right? Right, it's Eisenhower. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. meant to say Ike. I meant to say Eisenhower. My bad, y'all. I know. See, y'all. All I could, I could tell y'all about to hit them comments. Uh, my bad, Eisenhower. When he built the the highways, I mean, we have a highway that runs right through Jackson Ward. Um, so it's it's even. I mean, I guess from my perspective, it's even weird that so much can be done to a neighborhood to like devalue it. And somehow they just figure out how to pump value right back into it, even with a highway still there. It's just like this this game, this bouncing around money game is just so it's weird to me. But it's also interesting how things can flip. Yeah, absolutely. What can be done? I'm sure you're probably sitting there listening like, man, well, what can we do about this? This seems like a heavy thing and it's not even always the worst thing in the world. Well, on the list of cities with the highest intensity of gentrification, our nation's capital is ranked number one in with 40% of its neighborhoods considered gentrified. Now, me being from D.C., you know, that's my hometown. That's where my family is. That's where my heart is. D.C. used to be Chocolate City. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's what they used to call it. (laughs) It's not that no more. It's like noticeable. And I see why. While there isn't one solution to stop this process, there are a range of policies, programs, and financing tools like rental assistance, subsidizing housing, and rent stability. I'm sorry, rent stabilization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been reading so much. Rent stabilization, community land trust, and more that can help address this problem. So I'm gonna go, I'm kind of let's can we go over a little bit of some of the things I just said as far as the solutions? Yeah. So financing tools like rental assistance. What is that, Carl? What's rental assistance? It's like uh universal guaranteed income specifically for somebody to have rent or uh subsidized rent from like section eight housing mm-hmm. or other so like rent based on like oh like so like okay ma'am you're a nurse so we're going to tailor your rent based on your income is that like rental assistance i'm sure that's a version of it you a know you, there it. could be qualifications for it i haven't heard that but that's actually really interesting Got you. you subsidized housing there. that's in the same ballpark. Yeah. Right. It's subsidized housing that's Section 8, right? Section 8, I think, is is a is one part of that. Got you. Rent stabilization. So not, I guess, not fluctuating rent. Yeah, not market rate. Not market stabilized. rate. Stabilized. Community land trust. Yes. What is that? I don't know what that is. It's like somebody applying for a certification for a property or a segment of land mm. that can be either loaned or given over to a stewardship to a certain community or organization where people could be housed, farm, do anything that's, you know, that's beneficial for the greater community. Right. 
these are definitely starts. Mm -hmm. Notice that the solutions on here is not you, you staying away. That's not what the problem is. And I don't, and I want to address that real quick before we end. The problem isn't that white people are moving into black neighborhoods. I want to be blunt because I want to be clear. The issue is not, oh, so if I'm white, I can't move into a black neighborhood or a, a lower economic neighborhood because that's gentrification and that's bad. That's not what gentrification is. And that's why we do these deep dives to be clear on what these things are. Mm-hmm. That's why we spend time talking about it, what it looks like, who does it impact, and what are the solutions. There aren't many, but none of these solutions had anything to do with people stop moving around. You know, that that actually, like Carl said earlier, there's good impact that can be had when that happens. Investment is a good thing. Um, so I, I would encourage you to if you can look into some of these uh some of these policies some of these programs i'm sure richmond has way more than just this this is just a tip of the iceberg but these are some of the things some of the solutions that can really help um and i would say hey move into these neighborhoods but be an impact have an impact enrich the neighborhood become a part of the com- of the community become a part of the culture you know what I mean? Uh, don't 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 go there trying to change everything. <laughs> that is an issue. Um, but go and try to be a part of, uh, you know, part being part of loving your neighbor, uh, considering your neighbor above yourself, mm-hmm. um, showing brotherly and community love. Um, you know, Taylor Scott talked a lot about that when she was here with us too, about man, helping out the people around you in your community and allowing them to help you. That's a culture that Richmond needs right now is people looking out their doors or windows and helping the people across the street. That's real important. And that's going to add another solution to this this problem of gentrification. So, yeah, I think, Carl, it it may be awesome if we do another episode on gentrification and maybe have a guest. I'd love that. Yeah, I would love that, too. I mean, I think that really helped drive home food apartheid. We learned a lot from Taylor Mm -hmm. and we forged a really great friendship with her. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, embraces, we're going to get out here and try to find someone who can really talk to us about this issue, especially how it pertains to Richmond. So, Hey, if you know someone, uh, that can speak intelligently about it, uh, if you have a friend or you just know somebody, Hey, uh, shoot, shoot us a, um, a message, um, get in touch with us. Let us know. Uh, we would love to sit and just learn from someone um, and sit at their feet. Um, so if you want to become a part of the conversation that we've been having on gentrification or anything, hit us up at our Instagram at embrace underscore podcast. That's embrace underscore podcast or our Reddit page embrace underscore M-O-R. That's embrace underscore M-O-R. Thank you so much for you guys rocking with us. I mean, man, we are pumping these things out and taking you guys are just eating it up, you know, uh, just listening and rocking with us long way. We will see you guys on the next pod where we will be talking about, we will have our second episode on uh, shackle bottom. That should be a good one. So love you guys. We'll see you next time. Peace.